Hey guys, Mubarak here of Corp Dev World and MA CPA with Maureen Schoenfeld, transaction advisory firm. And essentially, in today's episode, I want to talk about due diligence. All right, we're going to talk about the different types of due diligence and what that is, why you need to know it, what are the different types, and how to get an effective hold over it. All right, because at first it seems intimidating. All right, so due diligence is basically. You know, it's, it's an important and lengthy process, but essentially it's the process where you as the buyer are confirming the accuracy of the seller's claims. All right. So that's kind of like in a nutshell what it means. And so we're going to go over all the different types of due diligence that you'll want to do and what encompasses it. So in the beginning, right, due diligence is definitely an extensive process um, undertaken by an acquiring firm in order to completely assess the target company's business assets capabilities and honestly there might be kind of almost like 20 different kinds of due diligence on a high level different angles and that's because if you think about the different departments of a company the different activities of a company if a company has multiple revenue streams um, so I'm gonna just keep it high level here and go over it but even then it, it's quite a decent amount and uh, it's just important because whether you're a buyer it's important to know that okay this is the stuff that I should think about and know about and keep track of and so you know in the show notes we're gonna have a questionnaire we're gonna have basically a master resources page that'll get you access to all of this information that I feel would be very beneficial and kind of useful to definitely have and so um, you know as a CPA as an M&A CPA what I want to start with is the financial diligence all right, so let's start with that, right? So, but the, um, again, the due diligence process, there's almost two steps to it before I get into the financial portion. It's your initial, you know, whether you're working with the business broker, your initial outreach, you're gonna probably see a teaser, hopefully you'll see some financials. You know, you'll probably be required to sign an NDA before you get access to any information, but then once you do sign the NDA, they'll probably give you access to a couple of files or so, right? If you're dealing with a massive company, like, um, you know, if you're talking about $10 million plus, if, you know, you're in a corporate development group of a public company, then they're going to have a much more organized and strategic manner to deliver information and documents. But even in small transactions, you know, less than 100000 less than a million dollars, you're going to have situations where they're going to just have like maybe like a Google Drive or a Dropbox or something similar of that nature where you can just have access to some of the files and then once the LOI is signed right that's the letter of intent that's kind of like the real that's when you've actually told the business owner that hey I'm willing to buy your business and this is probably how much I'm gonna buy it for right usually it's an exact purchase price um, and we're gonna do a whole another episode on LOIs and valuations and how to draft an LOI because that's really a very important part of the deal in itself but once the LOI is signed and both buyer and seller agree that, okay, we're going to move forward with this, you know, uh, estimated purchase price, um, usually there might be like stipulations like, hey, we're going to buy at this pr purchase price, we're going to buy for $10 million, right, hypothetically, if you're, we see that your revenues are in fact $2 million for this year and, you know, your EBITDA is $1 million or something like that, right? So you're basically making these claims that, hey, you seller, you told me these this in your financials. Now I get X amount of days to actually do due diligence, which is what we're talking about in this episode, and being able to verify whether or not this is true, that uh, what information you provided is accurate, right? So that's kind of the high-level background. Now let's get into some actual kind of uh, questions or items that you're going to ask for.
All right. And it's, it's a decent amount. I mean, uh, you don't necessarily need to kind of take notes because we're going to have I'll include the kind of whole PDF and maybe listing within the show notes or kind of link to a Google Doc that'll have this breakout. But, you know, starting on the financial side, what we always ask for is um, the latest either audited financials or unaudited. Right. So that means the P&L statement, profit and loss or income statement. That's the balance sheet. That's the cash flow statement. Um, we'll, sometimes we'll ask for like we need usually probably about the last three years. And this is kind of like dealing in the mid market. Right. So companies with EBITDA anywhere from, you know, 500,000 to 10 million which is meaning like deals under 100 million, right? So if you're dealing with deals over 100 million, then you might need actually like a 10-year summary, right? So the last 10 years of financial statements, and then you'll also want projected, meaning forecasted future operating and financial statements. Um, and so, you know, you'll be kind of looking at that. Sometimes, depending on the size of the business or the deal, you'll want product-level P&Ls or division-level P&Ls if there's more than one department or if there's multiple revenue streams, you know, based on the complexity of the business. And then, you know, you're kind of going down the balance sheet and the financials. So the next thing that you would probably need outside of basic stuff, if you look at cash being, you know, the current asset, you would need a list of the bank accounts, the average balances, the bank statements, same thing with the credit cards, right? Um, if the company's larger, if they hold any securities, any loans that they have, any investments, um, you'll want that listed out or you'll want a description of that and proof of that. Um, going to their accounting system, hopefully they have their books lined up. It really becomes a mess and you know, if you're a seller you know, make sure you have these things lined up. Yes, it sounds like a lot, but if you're trying to get the most bang out of your buck for your uh, business, which you should be because it could be life-changing money, like good books and good financials and just organization can literally triple the value of your company because it just looks that much better. You know, like it's like looking at a dirty, messy house that's been abandoned for two years versus if you just go in and spend 500 bucks or $1,000 and you clean everything and you spend a day or two and you fix it all up, now all of a sudden it looks a lot better. You haven't done anything substantial. Yes, you have put in some time, you put in a day or two, but it'll literally make it look that much better and allow you to command such a higher purchase price. So definitely something to keep in mind. Um, for other things that you would probably get on the credit side is like credit reports and federal income tax items like tax returns and kind of the breakdown there. So that's why you'll usually want to work with some type of CPA or some type of financial advisor. Um, if, it's, if you're doing a larger deal, then this would be your investment banker would probably help with this. But in general, on your end, you probably want to have either an internal finance person or accounting person or tax guy that can kind of help you uh, accumulate all of these documents and, um, you know, what we typically see generally is that you will get a, um, as a buyer, you're going to send this diligence request list to the seller. And so the seller will hopefully be able to come through with it. But sometimes, you know, it's important to understand what this is, is because you're going to sometimes get unsophisticated sellers that are going to push back or not have these items. And so you need to understand how relevant they are or important they are to, to determine whether, you know, you're going to be okay with this, that you know, it's okay for them not to have that information or really it's just a matter of kind of walking them through how they can get the information and giving them time to pull it together and put the work in, you know? So this is why sometimes these processes take so long is because, you know, I'm, I'm not even 5% of the way through 
the diligence request list and you know i'm going to skip some items i want to keep it high level but you know really just think anything financial you're going to need you're going to need um the, your uh, age list of accounts receivable their credit and collection policies uh the aged you know history of their payables you'll want a detailed statement of their gna like general and administrative expenses their overhead um their pricing any bonus and pension plans, all of their compensation plans and contracts that they have with their employees, right? If there's anything crazy in there, any weird employment agreements, any weird or incredible kind of bonuses or post, um, you know, salary or post employment agreements, like you're taking over the business or that's going to be the goal. So you have to be aware that of exactly what status everything in the business is in currently. So that way, when you take it over, there's no surprises and you're kind of being responsible with what you're doing with the money. Um, then there's another bucket that I would probably call kind of legal. Um, and there's two sections to this. There's one, which is like the organizational documents of the company, right? So meaning like the basic articles of incorporation, the employee handbook, the policy manual, um, does it have a board? Does it keep board minutes? You know, um, understanding the salary rates of key personnel. And then, you know, on the most basic level, like an organizational chart, right? Understanding how much work or lack of work does the owner end up doing? And is that budgeted and is that taken into account? You know, a lot of the times owners of the business might not take a, sa a salary or, or the salary might be added back, even though they're doing a lot of work, which is then like, hey, you need to factor in like, am I having to pay? Am I going to have to, you know, am I buying a job basically in this new kind of acquisition? And am I going to have a whole list of responsibilities that the current owner does? Or is it something that I'm going to need to figure out and apportion a certain amount of salary to hire somebody like a president, like a CEO to come in and take over those responsibilities, um, depending on, you know, what type of owner you want to be do you want to be a hands-on acquisition owner or are you looking to just stay as an owner and an investor and you want to be able to have the business operating on its own you know so that's kind of like half of the legal diligence but then the other half of the legal diligence really has to do with you know and you definitely need a lawyer for this but like you know does a seller have power to do everything that they need to do like in terms of corporate power legal power um <clears throat> is there any risk of attack by creditors is there any old liabilities is the seller's corporation in good standing um or do have they handled all their taxes do they have a good hold on their trademarks and um, all of those intangible assets is there any kind of you know material relationship between the seller and that target company with their kind of vendors right like for example if the company has a massive vendor that they are getting a great discount on is that relationship and is that kind of price going to stay post acquisition or was it because those guys are family friends and they were going to hooking up the prior seller with some sort of great discount that now you're not going to get when you buy the company and that'll you know significantly change your profitability and your margins because you're not getting that deal right so all of these things you really need to have your legal lawyer kind of dive into does the business have proper contracts in place with customers um you know is it a subscription business is it just one-time sales like getting a full understanding as to how those items and those contracts are in place um both with vendors with customers with employees is super important and needs to be hashed out and brought up front um 
you know, sales tax, understanding, especially if there's any real estate involved, that's a whole nother world to look into patents, trademarks, trade names, copyrights, goodwill, uh, making sure they're not infringing on anybody else's kind of um, items or trademarks, things of that nature. So all of this your, your lawyer will go into. Um, and then there's kind of operational <laughs> due diligence questions, you know. So there's items that will actually have to do with the running of the day-to-day -day business, right? How many employees currently work for the company? Um, is there a lot of employee turnover or do people generally stay, right? What's the labor turnover? What's the absentee rate? Um, is there any discussion or any people, any part of the company unionized? Um, is that ever going to be a problem? What's like the culture and the relationship between the company and the employees, right? So there's a whole world that goes into that kind of employee retention, the talent pool, because obviously businesses are just kind of strategic formations of people that are coming together to determine or kind of operate a certain business or achieve a certain goal. And so you need to make sure that you have all of that handled and put together as well right so like what procedures exist for hiring for firing for promotions um, understanding what percentage of promotions come from within what types of training programs exist is there even like a training department is that something you need to build in is there an active safety program you know are they following labor laws uh, you know if you're looking in california there's a massive you know, attention and crackdown on improper classification of contractors, right? People try to get around having to pay like the 15% payroll tax and self-employment tax because they kind of just tried to define certain people as contractors, even though, you know, by law, those guys were probably employees because if you're controlling their hours or dictating their workload or their work style or requiring them to make certain meetings, things like that, then they get classified as actually an employee and, you know, that can be a whole lawsuit or you can be out uh, a bunch of money there. So there's all of that. Then you need to kind of dive into the different parts of the revenue engine of the business, right? The sales department, the marketing department, um, all of their operations, all of their branding. How does all of that work? Is it all just kind of ran haphazardly or do they have kind of systems and processes in place that you can take a look at, that you can request, um, that you can kind of get laid out or even kind of start working on putting that together so that afterward, if the negotiation goes well and you reach it's a definitive agreement and the due diligence checks out, then you feel comfortable that after you buy the business, you know, like I always say that the real part of this whole journey in in acquisition kind of happens after the, the deal, right? The deal seems like the most interesting, sexy, fun part of it. And it is, and it's kind of something super enticing. But at the end of the day, what's really important is kind of the integration, right? The last step of the model is the actual process of planning and implementing um, the newly formed organization or the newly acquired company and kind of keeping it going and keeping a building and, and going forward. So, you know, there's a lot of different types of diligence. Then if you're buying a software company, you need to do tech diligence, right? So you have to look at their code base, depending on the type of company you're buying. If it's like a gas station or oil and gas company, you know, you have to do environmental due diligence, right? So uh, any diligence related to environmental regulation, because uh, obviously if you if the company violates any major rule, you know, then you're dealing with local authorities and you can get penalized or God forbid shut down. So. These are just all the things that, you know, intellectual property diligence, you need to make sure that if the company has some secret formulas or kind of trade secrets that it truly owns those and that there's not, they're not infringing on anybody else's processes and that they have the right stuff put together. 
Um, and then finally, you know, for at least the sake of this podcast episode, what the last thing I'm going to touch on is customer due diligence. And this really could be the most important one and probably the one you as a founder will need to do or like the owner or the buyer will need to want to be involved yourself. Um, and the reason I say that is because a lot of the other parts, yes, you obviously need to kind of review them all and be involved with them. But typically, a lot of the other ones will be kind of handled by other parts of the company or other people. So what I mean by that is like the financial diligence, you need to be a part of each part, one of these, but like the financial diligence will probably happen by the Q of E provider. So for example, myself with Maori and Schoenfeld, you know, we do the quality of earnings due diligence and kind of run that for buyers of companies and kind of perform that action. And we put that together. That takes maybe about a month or a couple of weeks, you know, for, for the full process, the financial diligence, the tax diligence, everything, put it together into a 50 plus page report, shoot it over to you as the buyer. So you, that's being handled. Then you're probably going to have your lawyers or your transaction brokers dealing with the legal diligence and kind of looking at the company like that. If it's a software company, you're probably going to have to hire a third-party firm or have your CTO or someone, whoever is going to hire or handle the, you know, the engineering, hopefully somebody on your end and not an existing employee or somebody on the seller side of the kind of acquisition that is going to look at the code base and determine, you know, how it stands, whether it is, whether there's a lot of technical debt, you know, what your plan is going to be there and whether it looks like a good kind of relevant language and you're going to feel confident that you're not going to just, you're not buying yourself into a massive set of problems and headache. Um, but the one you yourself as the founder probably should be involved in is the customer diligence. And so this literally means that you're going to be calling customers of the business just to see how, they like it. You know, a lot of the times I f see that people, um, these buyers and these um, strategic acquirers, what they'll do is they'll record these calls um, and they'll ask the customers for, uh, you know, what they feel about the company, what's going right, what's wrong about it, you know, how important is the company to them? Uh, would they be sad if the product or service that they offer just disappeared all of a sudden? You know, so you start getting like a customer satisfaction score or you start really understanding how the customers treat the business because, you know, you're about to buy this company and you need to understand kind of where you fit in all that. So hopefully that makes sense. I mean, that is just one of the many types of due diligence. And I've definitely covered a majority of it on a high level. Uh, but as always, if you do have any questions, you can always feel free to reach out. You can text us at 516-417-4941. Or you can email us at Mubarak. That's my first name, M-U-B-A-R-A-K, at Shah, S-H-A-H, businesscpa.com. Hope to hear from you soon. Take care.